Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, the first 20 verses. We'll be reading that intermittently today. Mark chapter 4. But first we want to start with a short story. Before refrigerators, of course, people used ice houses to preserve their food. Ice houses had thick walls, no windows, and a tightly fitted door. In winters, when streams and lakes were frozen, in places where streams and lakes get frozen in the winter, large blocks of ice were cut, hauled to the ice houses, and covered with sawdust. Often the the ice could last well into the summer. One day, a man lost a valuable watch while working in an ice house. He searched diligently for it, carefully raking through the sawdust, but couldn't find it. His fellow workers also looked... But their effort, too, proved useless. A small boy who heard about the fruitless search slipped into the ice house during the noon hour and soon emerged with the watch. Amazed, the men asked, how did you find that? I closed the door, the boy replied, lay down in the sawdust and kept very still. And soon I heard the watch ticking. (laughs) Listening is a key element to understanding the kingdom of God. Before we can begin to comprehend the depths of who God is and what he wants us to know, we first have to listen. Paul reminds us in Romans 12 that faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. And listening, of course, is paying attention to what is being said in a way that we try to fully grasp what is being communicated to us. In the kingdom, it is allowing what is being said to change our hearts and our minds. It's looking beneath the surface to discern the inner voice of God. Today we read a section where Jesus begins in Mark teaching in parables. He is teaching why God's word is received by some, but not by others. Peter, whom Mark is writing for, wants us to hear these words as they first heard them. We know this because of how the scripture is laid out for us. We have had the benefit of reading to the end, of knowing the explanation of what Jesus means by this parable. We have the privilege to study the words over and over again as much as we want. But the people who first heard them didn't. They simply listened. So today, it's a benefit for us to listen to the word of the Lord, to listen to what God is saying to us instead of just reading them. Parables are meant to be examined in the moment by our hearts and minds to make connections to the world in the way that God wants us to. So today, I want us to imagine we're hearing this teaching for the first time. We're by the lake Standing on the shore. Many people are there from our community to see Jesus. There's much excitement about him in our area. Jesus is sitting in a boat so he doesn't get trampled by the crowds because, again, they're so large. Most teachers sit while talking, so this is not unusual. Because he's in the water a ways out, it's great for the sound. Everyone can see him. He's been telling stories. And this is what he says. Listen. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path. And the birds came and ate it up. 
Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into the good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear listen. Now this is the parable that Jesus told the people. You hear it without explanation. How does it sound to you? What can you imagine that the people thought it meant? Jesus tells them to listen. So what is he trying to say? Is it a teaching on agriculture? On how a farmer should be more careful with the seed? Of various types of soil around Palestine? What is this guy talking about? The disciples go to Jesus when he is alone, and they ask what the parable means. In his teaching and the explanation, it's important, again, that we listen well. There's a lot going on here. As he tells his inner circle what is meant about the story, about the sower, we're reminded how difficult the word of the Lord is for those who don't know him. For those who haven't heard it. For those who are young in the faith. There are two main reasons Jesus gives for why people struggle to have faith in God from this passage. One is because the kingdom isn't easy to understand. And the other is because of the condition of people's hearts. So listen to what Jesus says when the disciples come to him. When he was alone, those who were around him, along with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything comes in parables, in order that they, quote, may indeed look, but not perceive. And they may indeed listen, but not understand. So they may not turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? Okay, now wait a second. If we hear these words of Jesus and we take them at face value, it sounds as though Jesus has formed a secret club where only a few who are chosen can can know the truth. Everyone else who is on the outside gets told things in riddles. So they will never understand anything. Because if they did understand, then they might actually be forgiven for their sins. And it sounds like we don't want that. What? This is one of these hard sayings of Jesus that we have to wrestle with alongside the scholars. So let's talk about a few concepts to see if we can make a little bit of sense here. Let's start with the parables. Jesus taught in a lot of them. Parable literally means something thrown beside something else. Para, to come alongside something else. Balo, to throw or to see with. A parable is a word picture. It's a comparison of something that is familiar to the hearer, like a seed. 
And it is put along something else that is spiritual, like God's word, so that the person who is listening can understand a deeper truth about the kingdom. Now, parables are great because they keep listeners engaged. They're often in the form of stories. They can help make an abstract idea concrete. But they also force us to think for ourselves. Because whomever is giving the parable, they often leave things open to interpretation. So therefore, the use of parables encourages faith. Because it makes us think through what could be or sound like a puzzle. They're not packaged together in a neat bow for us to just take in. This is why the disciples come to Jesus, asking what the parables were about that day. Jesus tells them, you have been given the secret, the mystery of the kingdom, but those on the outside have not. But let's be clear about something. The disciples, the only thing that the disciples have as people on the inside that the crowds don't have is consistent access to Jesus. That's it. The disciples aren't super great spiritual people. They don't have some esoteric, mysterious knowledge that was given to them from someplace else. If they did, they wouldn't be there asking what the parables meant. Right? This is consistent with what we know to be true about God's word. We understand the things of God because the spirit of God helps us in our weakness. Truth is given to those who seek God. Everyone on the shore that day received the same word. But it is those who are truly trying to follow who ask for an explanation. So while the good news of Christ is easy to understand, the kingdom of God is not simple. It is complex, just like the Lord himself Most of the time when we see the disciples, they are clueless about what Jesus is saying or doing. They're in process, and the Lord helps them. That is true with us. We grow. There are times Jesus says something to us or we see in the word, and we are like, what are you trying to say to me? And then he helps us because he's available to those who want to understand the kingdom. If Jesus were going to keep people out, why would he come at all? If Jesus were trying to form some secret club, why would he go and do open-air preaching to anyone who wanted to hear? You see, Jesus wants to be known. He wants us to follow him and will give assurance to all who ask. Outsiders are people who misunderstand him and then make him wrong or try to undermine his authority or who are indifferent to his teaching overall. Now let's talk about verse 12. The quote in verse 12 is from Isaiah. Now God directed Isaiah to keep preaching. Although he tells Isaiah the preaching that you're going to do is um, not going to work. The people's hearts are hard and they're not going to listen to you. And the hardness of hearts that they have are going to continue until the consequence that I gave the people comes to pass. But guess what, Isaiah? You still have to keep preaching. Those poor prophets. So Jesus is quoting here what God told Isaiah 
as a parallel to their situation by the shore. Here's a better rendering of verse 12 from the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew from the Old Testament. With the result that they may see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand because the last thing they want is to turn and have their sins forgiven. Okay, so that's different than what we read. There is sarcasm here. There is irony here, but it is not God who has shut their minds. It is the people themselves who have done that. By using these words, Jesus is reminding the disciples what had happened in Isaiah's time was happening again in their time. And again, he's throwing something against something else to show them what he wants them to know. Isaiah had gone to preach truth. But God said that the people were dull of hearing. Jesus says when he is preaching, that's happening too. That the people are dull of hearing. And he is telling his disciples, do not let this happen to you. I was thinking it's kind of like when we're on an airplane and the flight attendant is giving instruction for safety. And in that moment, there are very few people who are listening, right? If we aren't already asleep or reading, we might think, yeah, yeah, I got it. Put my mask on first. Did you see that football game last night? Okay, yeah, know where the exits are located. Okay, are there any snacks in that bag? Water landing, blah, blah, blah. Can I use my laptop on this flight? Can we just get going? We stopped listening. When we've heard it before, we think we got the information that we need. So tuning out occurs when we know the drill. And sometimes when it's more important, we stop listening to the Lord. We stop asking him for help or for wisdom because, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it, Jesus. In verse 13, Jesus asks, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand the rest of them? I was thinking that this also could mean just because some people are listening now doesn't mean they're going to be listening in the future. In Isaiah's time, when Jesus was preaching on the boat, today where we live, those who want to know God will make sure that they keep listening. That just because the words are familiar doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't have something new to say to us today. Some are going to be interested and some are not. So let's make sure that we stay curious and have open hearts to what Jesus has to say. Jesus goes on to explain the parable in full. The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root and endure only for a while. Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30 and 60 and 100 fold. 
The second reason Jesus gives for why people have a hard time receiving the word of God, the word of God, which is mentioned eight times in this paragraph that we just read, eight times, is because their hearts are not ready for it. Just by teaching the crowds, Jesus is trying to sow a good word into them. But he's reminding them that all hearts are not the same. It is not an automatic response that everyone will believe or be changed by the truth God is offering. Sometimes the soil just won't receive the seed. This teaching is very clever. You don't have to be a farmer to understand the parable. Of course, it's about knowing Christ. Those who receive the word sent in flesh from God will bloom, will flourish in their lives. But we can also read it to mean that God's truth continues to show us the changes we need to make in our lives. Just because I've accepted Christ as my Savior does not mean that the soil of my heart is receptive to stop gossiping. Just as not all hearts allow God in, not all truths take root equally. This is often called the parable of the sower, but isn't it really the parable of the soils? It's not the seeds or the farmer that determines success. The ground is the factor that is variable. With stories and healings and teachings, Jesus is trying to bring spiritual transformation to their lives. But not even the Lord can get everyone to believe in him. We saw a few weeks ago how even his own family do not accept the truth of his life or his words. So let's talk briefly uh, about the four different heart responses to the seeds that God is trying to plant in all of us. First, there is the path which the seeds just lay on. There is no place for them to penetrate the soil. The path is hard and unyielding. It has been beaten down by wear. There's no chance for anything to grow there. The word lies there for a little while before it is taken away by the evil one who wants the person to stay without hope. There are many reasons why people end up this way. Life has beaten them down in spirit. They have so much shame. They're not teachable. Their senses are damaged. They've not been loved. There's great detachment from God and who he is and what he might be doing. What helps this person is recognizing the damage that has been done and asking the Lord for help to find healing so that the soil may be made new. The second is the rocky ground. In Palestine, this would have been a thin layer of soil on top of a shelf of limestone rock. Their soil, and it might be good, and the seed begins to take root, but it's shallow. It doesn't have any moisture or nourishment. When the heat of persecution or trouble comes... Life in God withers away. This is a shallow heart that cannot sustain much life. There is a lack of depth that can happen for many reasons. I picture this person going from one thing to the next, wishing for happiness or fulfillment, but their lack of commitment keeps them from knowing God in a way that they could find true joy. They get excited about the newest thing, but there's always a new thing coming along around the corner to focus in on. What helps this person? Pausing. Wrestling with the truth. Deciding to take care of their souls. 
allowing God to fill their emptiness and their rootlessness. The third is the thorns. The soil is okay here, but it's a crowded field. The weeds of the thorn will grow up with the healthy plant and choke out the seed, literally strangling the life out of it. The difficulty is that this person has not differentiated between what is helpful and what is harmful. Everything is given the same attention. The landscape of our lives is overcrowded with so much noise and opportunity and responsibility and endless delight and longing for wealth. We have to work hard to separate between what is good and what is harmful and what is just taking up space. What helps here is simplifying. Breathing. Slowing down. Saying no. Making God's life a priority. Being silent so we can actually hear the watch ticking. The good soil is soft and deep and free to receive God's word. It is full of nutrients that the sower cultivates. You know soil is good. The heart is good by the crop it produces. In Galilee, the crops can be big. What God does in and through us can be big for his kingdom. For those who hear and respond well, God is glorified by the fruit that he produces in them. In Jesus' story, only 25% of the soil is good. But the farmer still gets the yield. The farmer will reap a harvest. The word of God will not fail. Sowing, farming, gardening is a patient and can be frustrating process. Jesus portrays the sower as one who sows the seed liberally and lavishly and freely on all kinds of soil. Every person gets the truth of God but he does not dictate what they do with it. Sowing can be tough business. There are many aspects that the sower cannot control, weather, supply and demand, competition. But the farmer doesn't worry. He just keeps sowing the seed. He keeps planting. It's his job, and he is faithful. Even though there's going to be failure and opposition and rejection. As people who help spread the gospel... We have to remember this. And as people who are recipients of such good truths from the Lord, we have to think about how much our hearts are truly open to him. Our faith doesn't rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So let us continue to listen and to hear what the Lord is saying to us. And to think about what connection our hearts and minds made with this parable today. Let us pray.